This morning, they sit on different sides of the aisle, but today two Texas congressmen join us together to talk representing North Texas in Washington. Plus, calls for action as Texas still reels from two mass shootings. The solutions being proposed to keep anything like it from happening again. This is Lone Star Politics from NBC5 and the Dallas Morning News. Good Sunday morning. I'm Julie Fine from NBC5 along with Gromer Jeffers, political reporter with the Dallas Morning News. Happy Sunday, Gromer. Yeah, you have any Dallas Cowboys on your fantasy football team? I do not have any Dallas Cowboys, actually. So um, I've got, but I did get Patrick Mahomes from Kansas oh, okay. City. So right. that one for you, Groms. And Congress returns to Washington this week after summer recess. They do so after mass shootings this summer and a push for changes in gun policy. Joining us to talk about this and more, we have both Representative Van Taylor and Representative Colin Allred. Thank you both for being with us. We really appreciate it, especially being here together. Yeah, Absolutely. Great to, great to be here with you. Congressman Ron Wright joined us last week. He said he expected some type of gun bill right away when y'all get back. What do you think? Well, uh, I think anything you want to do in the United States Congress, you're going to have to get 80, 90 percent of the U.S. House of Representatives to get behind it to get it picked up in the U.S. Senate, right? The Senate's controlled by Republicans. you got a Republican president. Uh, and so I'm focused on trying to get common sense legislation through that we can get a wide, wide, wide support for, um, something that I've been working on for the last several months that actually was in conversations with uh, and Collins, the president of his class. He has a co-president, uh, Haley Stevens, a Democrat from Michigan. I've been talking to her about trying to trying to uh, go after people that are violating the background check system. So we have 120,000 people every year that try to violate the background check system, uh, and we only are prosecuting 12 of those people last year. So that's something that needs to be fixed, and I think that there's bipartisan support to do that, and I think that that could get the votes and actually go to the president's desk. Yeah. Representative Alred. Well, we have already taken action. Uh, we did pass a bipartisan background check bill to try and close some of the loopholes. I think the Senate should take that bill up. And we have seen that the Judiciary Committee is going to consider other actions, maybe to talk about weapons of war and things like that. I agree with Van that we should try to find points of bipartisan consensus. But in this issue, the American people are demanding us to take action. And here in Texas, we have suffered two horrible, horrible mass shootings. You know, I have a six-month-old son. I can't imagine having to send him off to public schools that I went to and them going through these active shooter drills, being concerned about somebody coming in there and some awful thing happening. We have to take action. So um, you, uh, uh, Congressman Taylor just mentioned one uh, proposal that he thinks maybe you can get bipartisan support on. Anything else, assault weapons ban, something like that. Uh, uh, Colin, you feel like you can... Well, I don't know. I, I don't know what the prospects are in terms of the bipartisan support for it. We have had a, bipar a assault weapons ban that passed with bipartisan support previously that expired, uh, and I think that we have to look at trying to eliminate weapons of war that shouldn't be on our streets, shouldn't be uh, used, and we've seen the same weapon used in many of these mass shootings. I don't know what the prospects are politically, but I know what I think we should do, which is try and get rid of some of those weapons. Con Congressman Taylor, yeah. if there was a... a, a, a Taylor, Allred, Allred, Taylor, Bill, what, what, where would you guys sort of agree on? Well, I, I, I surely hope that we could agree that, you know, that the bill I'm talking about that uh, Congressman Quigley, Democrat right. from Illinois, uh, has in the House, and actually Senator Toomey, Demo Republican from Pennsylvania, has in the U.S. Senate. That, that is something where, again, we have a, a we have the background check system we have in this country is is hitting about 83 percent of all guns that are sold. Um, and but the problem is when people try to violate, when criminals try to what's called lying and trying, when right. they try to 
lie and try uh, to buy a gun, we're just not prosecuting. Anything else? Uh, I mean, an assault weapon ban, something right. that sure. representative. Well, something something that I certainly have grappled with in my community. Uh, you know, the El Paso shooter uh, was is actually went to Plano Senior High, uh, and uh, that's and you know had had radicalized to white nationalism, and then we had uh, last year had a young man who uh, had had decided it was an ISIS inspired, wanted to be an Islamic terrorist, uh, which is just really shocking to me because we have such a great community. It's a very diverse, uh, harmonious, uh, successful community in. County and to, and to have that happen. But I really, to me, I think that's about content. That's about where people are able to go on a screen, uh, detach from their community, and end up down a wormhole where they're literally deciding to become either an Islamic terrorist or a white nationalist, uh, despite the fact they're in a great community. So that's something that we've been looking at at a Homeland Security Committee. I serve on that committee, uh, looking at content and how that radicalizes youth and what we can do to try to try to reduce that content. And I, I agree with Dan about domestic, uh, addressing domestic terrorism. Mm -hmm. It's a rising threat for us, yes. and it is white nationalist white nationalism it is also people getting radicalized online mm -hmm. I agree there for sure but you don't you don't necessarily agree with additional gun control measures like bans assault weapon bans uh, well I think I think we need to we need to look um, at the background check system I mean we're we're not doing background checks for seven you know 17 20 percent some number like that depends year to year of uh, so private gun sales I think we need to look at tightening that um, and and really really looking at that and making sure that we kind of in that loophole Okay, so the person-to-person -person sales, you're willing to look at a so a universal background check then, really? Well, and that's it, yeah, and, and I want to be clear. Uh, you know, universal background check doesn't mean you know when I lend my I lend my hunting rifle to my best friend uh, to go hunting over the weekend. Uh, I'm, I'm not looking at that. I'm talking about sales. I'm talking about actual actual sales. Um, you know, I think we need to we need to start looking at that. I think. Again, I think you can take back to 1993 when we first passed the background check system in this country. Uh, you know, smartphones weren't a thing. The internet really wasn't a thing. Emails weren't a thing. I think that we're now at a point in technology where we can make that a relatively straightforward process for private sales. AR-15, uh, Congressman Allward, yeah. would you ban that? That's a well, I, think, I certainly think uh, we have to look at it. And I think we have to look at high-capacity magazines. What we're seeing is rifles that belong on a battlefield, ammunition, and capacity magazines that only are used when you're talking about battlefield uh, context that are on our streets and that are being used to kill enormous numbers of people in a small amount of time before anyone can react. That's a problem for us. And as a country, we have to address this. We're the only developed country in the world that has to deal with this. You know, I grew up going to YMCA camps here in Dallas that had a riflery range where we learned how to handle a rifle uh, safely and appropriately. It was a 22, though. It wasn't an AR-15. Switching gears now, you, you talk about how there will likely be a gun bill very quickly when you get back. Other bills, do you think we will see something for roads and bridges? I know you must hear from your constituents sure, that this yeah. is something that's very important to them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're actually working together. Yeah, um, we are. <laughs> trying to address uh, some of the traffic issues on 75. Uh, and we know that we're growing so rapidly here. Uh, when I was growing up, Frisco was basically a cow pasture, and now <laughs> we see what's going on there. Yeah. And from 635 going north on 75, the traffic is just increasing dramatically. We're trying to address that together. Of course, I'm on that committee, uh, yeah. the Transportation Committee. I do think there are some prospects that we can get a modest bill uh, out this year that will help address some of our uh, infrastructure needs, but we're probably not going to get the huge package that have been talked about, unfortunately. Yeah. No, look, Colin has been a leader on transportation. He's on the Transportation Infrastructure Committee, uh, and I appreciate his leadership in helping us, uh, not only with US 75, which which I appreciate his help on that, and then he was also led on a, on a bill, I'm sorry, a letter uh, supporting uh, the high-speed rail, uh, which is which is a 
$12 billion uh, infrastructure package paid, paid, I mean, $12 billion of infrastructure paid for 100% by private dollars uh, that will move people between Houston and Dallas, the fifth and fourth largest MSAs in the United States. Uh, so uh, Colin has been a leader on that, and I appreciate appreciate signing right by, right there behind you, buddy. Sure. Yeah. You know what? Uh, in the NBC5 lobby, Julie, I heard these guys talking. You approached <laughs> Congressman Taylor about an insulin bill that you yeah. wanted to support on. Yeah. What's that all about? Well, you know, it's really... I saw the Clearly nothing is safe in the, in the lobby, lobby. Yeah. just so you know. Well, you know, we had a roundtable in Garland a couple of days ago, uh, and there was a young woman there who was telling me about how she had a decent job, and she still can't afford her insulin, oh. and that she stands in line at the pharmacy with people in front of her who can't afford their insulin and walk away and they're rationing their insulin. And it's not a, a drug of choice, right? This is not something that they're taking because they, mm. to deal with heartburn even or something that you might be able to put off. This is something they have to take to live. Uh, and there, there is a bipartisan bill in the Senate that I think we can try to uh, modify and take up in the House to try and address the costs. This is something I just think people expect us to try and do. And in mm -hmm. North Texas, we have a huge issue with this. Okay, both of you don't go anywhere when we come back. Reaching across the aisle in what is a highly divisive time in D.C., we talk with the congressman about 2020 and bipartisanship. Welcome back, Congressman Van Taylor and Colin Allred, both with us this morning. So let's turn to bipartisanship. You two actually both wanted to come on together. It's not like we even had to reach out. You two really wanted to come on together. So is there progress being made in Washington on a bipartisan level? Well, I, I can say that within our North Texas delegation, we certainly have that. And I want to thank Van for working with me, for example, on getting a VA hospital in Garland. Mm -hmm. and I think it's going to be a huge benefit for all of North Texas. It's going to help us serve 184,000 additional veterans. Ron Wright, Van, Lance Gooden have helped us get that across the line. We're very, very close to making sure that that's going to become a reality. That's what we try to work on. Yeah, we try to find absolutely. common ground, and I really appreciate him for that. Yeah. No. And, and look, let's. Uh, you know, it begins with relationships, right? I mean, that's. It begins with a phone call. It begins with a text. It begins with, you know, how's your son doing? Uh, it begins right. giving up your aisle seat to the big football player, uh, so you can <laughs> take the middle seat on the plane. Well, uh, you, a lot of you fly and, together, and I'm sure yeah, that sure. has a lot to do with friendships. Sure. Yeah. yeah. No. So there's 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 relationships, and then relationships. You know, you start doing doing smaller things together, and then and then you start. But but you begin small to go big. I mean, you're not going to begin with the biggest infrastructure yeah. package of all time that's bipartisan. You're going to start with something smaller, like working on US 75 on a letter that's just the two of us yeah. uh, or working on a DFW letter that's, the, that's about the VA. But having said that, there, there is gridlock on some of the big mm -hmm. issues. Are you hopeful that, for instance, on an issue like immigration reform mm -hmm. in the era of President Trump that Congress can get something done, yeah. the House and, and the Senate? Well, I'll say this. I think that the framework is there. Uh, we've seen that with President Obama working with Senator McCain, with President Bush working with Ted Kennedy. There's been a framework that's been established. I think we all know kind of what mm -hmm. that framework is. Yeah. And when our businesses here in North Texas, I think, have played a very responsible role in talking to us about what their needs are from the immigration system. Mm -hmm. And so I think Van and I have some points in agreement already that we've talked about sure. before on what we can do on the legal immigration side. Sure. And maybe we should work, start from there and branch out, as Van said. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, look, America is a nation of immigrants. Uh, we, we, we admit 10 million people on temporary visas every single year. We admit 1.1 million people on permanent green cards every single year. We have 750,000 Americans nationalized every single, uh, become Ameri uh, 700,000 foreigners na uh, naturalized to become American citizens. Actually, I have one just, uh, just 
just this week in my office, just really terrific. You know, seven kids and the wife, they're all Americans and the, and the father was the last one to get his American citizenship. It was just really terrific to see that. Um, but I think we need to have, we need to continue to improve our immigration system, uh, you know, on the legal side especially, uh, would like to see uh, uh, more work-based visas uh, and fewer uh, family-based visas. And the reason for that is, that, is that with a work-based visa, you're actually making the business verify that this person is not taking a job away from American. And so that allows you to plug holes in your economy uh, of the 1.1 million permanent uh, visas that we're issuing every single year, only only 140,000 are work-based visas. Uh, and I'd like to see more of those be work-based visas so that you can protect American jobs and grow the economy. Yeah. We, we agree here on this. I think that we certainly should be meeting the needs of our economy here. I talk to businesses all the time here. If we yep. did pass the infrastructure package that we all wanted to do that would be rebuilding America, the bottleneck for us would be the workforce. Yep. Right. And we need that skilled workforce. You go to TI, mm -hmm. Texas Instruments, sure. and they'll tell you that they need more high-tech uh, mm -hmm. immigrants as well. So mm -hmm. there's at the top of the economy, all across it, we need to fill some of these gaps. How, how difficult is it in, in, uh, with Donald Trump as president and, and the rhetoric and the yeah. sort of the, the drama surrounding him every day, does that make it difficult, whether you agree with him or not, does that make it difficult sure. for you guys? Right. Who well, are actually, doing I, some actually, of the heavy lifting. Colin and I, a large majority of the, the Republicans and Democrats in Congress, uh, voted on how, HR 1044, which uh, removed the country caps, which I think mm -hmm. makes a more meritocratic uh, immigration system. So we're not saying, hey, if you're not too many from this country, just say, hey, who are the best people that we can have to right. fill the jobs that we have? Uh, so we, we we have seen progress, uh, uh, you know, in the U.S. House of Representatives, uh, and certainly there's. And I just want to concur with Colin. Uh, in Collin County, when I talk to business leaders every single day, I hear about workforce needs. I mean, that is that it's a fancy problem, but it is a problem. Uh, we need to have more workers that are qualified, and, and certainly that's something I'm looking forward to working on. To return to Gromer's question, though, with yeah. the rhetoric, is yeah. it difficult at times? I, you know, I, I definitely want to address that because I think it's important. Um, I do think that we've seen some rhetoric coming out of the White House that has made it seem like immigrants are a threat to this country. And especially here in Texas, I think we're an example of how that's not true. Uh, across the country, of course, we're a nation of immigrants, but Texas in particular, and North Texas, mm -hmm. we're one of the most diverse areas in the country. We sure. benefit from immigration. Mm -hmm. We want it to be legal, of course, and we need to secure our borders, and I think we have some frameworks in, in place that we could actually do that. But the rhetoric and the talks of invasion and things like that does end up leading uh, to some of the increases that we're seeing in hate crimes. We saw. Uh, in El Paso, the shooter echoing some of the language that has been used. That, to me, has to be tamped down. Mr. Taylor, before we get to 2020, sure. let me ask you about the, the Republican retirements in Texas. What do you think of that? Sure. Well, I think, I think you're seeing sort of a natural process here. You, you have a, a generation of leaders, uh, many of whom serve for, you know, 15, 20 years, and they're, they're deciding that How they, many are we at now? Five? I think we have five Republican five. members yeah. of Congress. I think what's, what's unusual um, is, is last cycle we had actually, I think we had six Republican retirements, uh, but they were actually... One was in January and one was right. in October and then thereafter. So it's 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 unusual to come into September with five retirements already. That, that, that I think that's the unusual thing. The number so far isn't isn't the shocking part. Well, we wish we had more time with both of you, but let's do this again. Sure, yeah, this absolutely. is great. We Fun really appreciate you both coming, and we appreciate you both coming in together. And when we return, the governor and Texas Democrats calling for action after two mass mass shootings. The governor's response and what Democrats are calling on him to do next. After the mass shootings in Texas, Governor Greg Abbott issued eight executive orders this week. Among the orders, the governor directs DPS to help come up with a standard series of questions for law enforcement 
when someone calls about suspicious activity. He wants DPS to develop guidance on reporting suspicious activity. And the governor is asking DPS to create a public awareness campaign. Two of the orders mentioned preparing schools to respond and coordinating with authorities. You can read about each of the executive orders on our website, NBCDFW.com. Governor Abbott will release a report of findings from the Texas Safety Commission later this week. He added that legislative solutions are still needed. But Texas House Democrats want Governor Abbott to call a special session on preventing gun violence in the state. If we have a governor that's willing to call emergency sessions or emergency items and special sessions on things like the bathroom bill, he sure as hell should be calling it on mass murder in this state. Also out of Austin this week, the House Speaker and Lieutenant Governor announced select committees on mass violence prevention and community safety. So at this point, it does not look like there's a special session. The governor announcing action of his own. Right. He hasn't ruled out a special se session, at least not publicly. So it's still a slim possibility, but you can see where this is going. He's focusing on, on the process between police and people calling in suspicious behavior, almost as if, you know, it's not the guns that are the problem, but the process, and if they tighten up the process, maybe they can prevent some of these mass shootings from occurring. Democrats want more measures on gun control, universal background checks, that sort of thing. And so we'll see what happens, but that's where the friction is right there. Democrats have put out many bills on gun type, gun type of control measures, and they, they don't go anywhere. No, this is a Republican-controlled legislature with a Republican governor. So those bills, to this point, aren't going anywhere, even though most of the American public supports things like universal background checks and banning assault weapons and weapons of war and things like that. Hey, turning now this week, the Democratic presidential candidates will be in Houston. Just 10 candidates will take the stage this Thursday night in what will be the longest debate so far. Both our Texans qualified. We'll have complete coverage of that coming up next week right here on NBC5. Okay, what does Secretary Julian Castro and former El Paso Representative Beto O'Rourke have to do? Castro has to keep doing what he's doing during these debates. He's had two solid performances. Uh, Beto O'Rourke needs more of a, a positive Beto moment sort of to redefine his campaign, show his toughness, and that he's really, really engaged. He does that on the campaign trail, but not at debates where everybody's watching. But uh, we'll be there, right? But we'll, we'll, we'll both, both be there. Be heading to yeah, Houston what what for are this. you looking for? What are you looking to see? I'm also looking to see, you know, we've seen in the earlier debates everybody really go after Vice President Joe Biden. But right. this time you've got people there he's the front runner but there's no real outliers on this stage right. this time around everybody is qualified so i'm curious to see if they all go after him or some take shots at elizabeth warren or some take shots at kamala harris right exactly because the shots we've seen taking at taken at harris like the tulsi gabbard from hawaii did that at the last debate she's not on stage this time so we'll see if there's some interaction between the other candidates we mentioned earlier on this show a, a few weeks ago that bernie sanders elizabeth warren dynamic what happens there right because they I mean, have not taken each other exactly. on at all it's like they almost have a yeah, pact so, so uh, and so the only sort of really, really long shot is Andrew Yang, right? Yes. He's the only one left from, from that group. Well, I look forward to being there with you, yeah. and that's all the time we have. Thanks for joining us this morning. We'll see you next Sunday.